Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Wow. My God, have you been watching the TV and listening to radio? Don't you feel like you want to go to the roof of your house and jump off, Mr. Producer? I mean, this is being compared to the worst economic disaster in the history of America. The worst health disaster in the history of America. I want to give you some statistics. And I'm not downplaying the potential, the potential seriousness of this. But I've got to tamp this down. You go to the Drudge Report, you're going to take a knife and stick it in your ear, Mr. Producer. One ear to the next. I'm sure the hits are high and heavy. There's some of the other hypers out there. Again, I'm not downplaying this in the least, but I want to give you some perspective. The latest number I have is 4,100 people infected. Right, Mr. Producer? The CDC says less, but I'm taking this number because it's passed around in the press as I speak. So I just did basic math. Even without a computer, we did it here. There's 50 states. That means 82 people per state are, is, have been infected. And some states, of course, are hit worse than others, like Washington State and so forth. 82 people a state. 82 people a state. That's not to say it won't become 1,000 at some point. But right now, it's 82 people a state. The last number I have is 68 deaths over the last six weeks in the United States. That's 50 states again. That's 1.3, statistically, deaths per state. Again, some states are worse than others. In fact, there's a particular nursing home in a particular community where a significant number of deaths occur. But if you play it out, that's 1.3 deaths per state. And you have people talking about a national lockdown. A national lockdown of what? And who's going to be in charge of that? Which department? Which White House staffer? A national lockdown? Now this is going to get worse. Everybody knows it's going to get worse. Everybody knows it. In China, and their statistics are unreliable, but according to the CDC... They've had 81,000 people infected. It's a lot of people. 81,000. But again, if I divide that by 50 states, that's 1,620 people per state. Again, just to give it some perspective. It's a lot of people. I'm not dismissing the humanitarian casualties here. 7,000 people worldwide have died so far, and many more will. And so what governments around the world are trying to do now is control it, contain it. And whether you look at now South Korea, Italy, parts of Europe, Israel, the United States, 
different steps are being taken for different countries that have different issues. The genius of our country is that we have 50 states, is that we have thousands of localities and counties, is that we have a robust private sector. If you're looking to Congress to fix this, Congress is not going to fix this. Stimulus? Gee, we've never done that before. What happened to the trillion-dollar Obama stimulus? What happened to all the money the, the tobacco companies gave the states? It was all pissed away. Because the government's not effective in spending money. They got layers and layers of bureaucracy. The states have layers and layers of bureaucracy. Till it gets to the little guy. Till it gets the assembly line worker, the blue-collar worker. You know, the mob is taking a big chunk of the money. So a lot of it is not stimulus. A lot of it is just pure debt. Pure debt. Schumer's out there with a 750, really more, $750 billion stimulus bill. $750 billion. They write it up in his office. He knows nothing about science. He knows nothing about medicine. He wants to shove as much money to the states and the localities as possible, and then declare, look what we're doing. Look at all this outstanding work we're doing. The Fed is back to quantitative easing. Zero percent effectively. Shoveling God knows how much money into the economy. Now, how did we get a Great Depression? Did we get a Great Depression in 1929? No, that's not when the Great Depression occurred. You had the stock market crash. But that's not when the Depression occurred. You had a horrible recession. You have scholar after scholar who's written about this. The Great Depression occurred because of FDR's reaction to a horrible recession. And what did FDR do? What did he do? He primed the pump and he pumped the prime. What do I mean by that? Massive expansion of the central government. Massive control by the central government of various industries. Massive regulation. Massive, effectively, American-style Politburo decision-making. Created all kinds of economic dislocations. And that economic dislocation led to 10 years of economic blight. 25% unemployment. A complete, a complete evisceration of our financial markets. That's what iron-fisted, centralized decision-making gets you. The people in Washington, D.C., whether you call them congressman or senator or a bureaucrat from one agency or another, they don't have the information in an incredibly complex society to make all the right decisions. Governors don't even have the information to make all the right decisions. And so you have predictable and unpredictable outcomes. But there won't be a depression this time. You know why? It's not 1929 this time. You know why? Because President Trump is president, not Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Roosevelt was an ideologue. President Trump is not. He's a practical man who embraces the private sector, but also embraces practical governmental action. And that's exactly what he's been doing, where the feds should step in, prod, 
or even effectively control. He's doing that, but he's being very prudent. He's being very measured. That doesn't mean he's not taking bold action. Since when is bold action described as stupid centralized decisions? More massive stimulus spending. More massive government. It's not to say that the president won't eventually move in these directions. My point to you is this. We're not going to get out of this by replicating what Franklin Roosevelt did, taking a recession to a depression. We're not going to get out of this by further turning our constitutional system inside out. Further nationalizing through the back door the private sector. The vaccines are not going to be found in the House of Representatives. They're not going to be found in the United States Senate. The vaccines are not going to be found in one bureaucracy or another. They're going to be found in these hated pharmaceutical companies like Roche. They're going to be found in these hated labs. They're going to be found in the hated private sector that is pounded and pounded and pounded over and over and over again. That's where it's going to be found. That's where it's going to be found. These demands that confuse bold leadership with iron-fisted, centralized, quasi-dictatorial authority, decision-making, are utterly and completely and outrageously misplaced. You exercise judgment. Judgment. That's what you do. Any idiot can put forward a $750 billion stimulus bill. You've got to make wise decisions as president of the United States, as governors and as mayors as well. As much as I like this, this head of the CDC, Fauci, wasn't it the CDC whose tests, whose tests were not right and there weren't enough of them, Mr. Producer? It wasn't the Oval Office. So I'm, I'm not one to look back and start attacking these people, not in the least. What we're confronting now is something we've never seen before. It's something we've never seen before. And what's fascinating to me is how little attention is paid to really the, how can I explain this? To the new ways, a new paths that are being, that are being made here by the President of the United States and how he's approaching this. Despite the vicious, relentless onslaught that he's taking from people in the media who served as Democrats and served in Democrat administrations or have a progressive mindset, and even others. And even others. What's been done by this administration in a six-week period is absolutely remarkable. It's unprecedented. Unprecedented. When the SARS virus hit, by the way, also coming out of China, you didn't see this kind of response. Thousands of people in the United States died from SARS. They're having to come up with new kinds of tests. They're having to produce them on a mass scale. They need more ventilators and respirators of a, of a sort that we weren't, uh, that we, of the, the amount of which we weren't familiar with. Now they're trying to produce them as fast as they can. But then you have fools out there who want to build hospitals, build facilities, build, 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 build. To what end? We don't even react this way to cancer. And cancer in its multiple forms takes an enormous number of people every year. 
An enormous number of people every year. Heart attacks and strokes take out an enormous number of people every year. Just by labeling them, if we did pandemics, what are we going to do? Spend a trillion-dollar stimulus bill on cancer? A trillion-dollar stimulus bill on heart disease? A trillion-dollar stimulus... What is the point of that? The federal government cannot be the employer of last resort for everybody. It can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. It already is in many respects, with unemployment insurance and so forth and so on. And it does a very poor job of running these programs, and so do the states for the most part. So we look to the government to do things, to do things that require a centralized focus. But we don't look to the government to centralize virtually all decision-making. And to use it as an opportunity to recklessly run up the debt and start spreading money to their favorite politicians and their favorite states and their favorite mayors. This is not the time for that. Another reason this won't be the Great Depression. Because the Federal Reserve is actually doing the right thing. Before the stock market crash and during the stock market uh, crash. And Milton Friedman wrote brilliantly about this. Our monetary system was mismanaged. In other words, by the federal government. Rather than loosen money, they tightened money. When more money was needed for the economy, they pulled money out of the economy. They choked it off. The Federal Reserve is doing the opposite. It's making money easier and easier to get. Now, why does that matter? Because these businesses that are hurting may need money, may need loans from banks and so forth and so on to get over the hub, to get through it. So money costs a lot less. It almost costs nothing. That's why they've lowered it to virtually 0%. That's not a do-nothing action. And remarkably, it was the President of the United States who was demanding that they lower the interest rates. Even before this virus, but particularly when this virus started, he said the Fed's not doing enough. The Fed's not doing enough. And the Fed has done what the Fed can do. Exactly what it should have done now. It's another reason there won't be the Great Depression. I just don't want you to be scared off the cliff. Is this tough? Yes, it's tough. It's very difficult. We can't predict the future. This is a new virus. It spreads very quickly. Very quickly. But some perspective is necessary. The vast majority of people who get this virus are going to live. Some will not. Like every other virus. But what upsets people, what frustrates people is the unpredictability of it since we've never seen this before. I understand that. I have the same feelings. My family has the same feeling. I have members of my family that have very weak immune systems. And so I worry about them very much. I worry about them very much. More when I come back. Mark Levin. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. 
We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale college student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. We always want to be correct here. My buddy, my buddy Mort Klein says, Director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases of the NIH. That's Anthony Fauci's job, and he's correct. Now, just to give you a feel, the flu in the last year, and we're coming out of the flu season now, killed an estimated 30,000 people in this country, Mr. Producer. This year, this past 12-month period. And, of course, the flu typically isn't at its peak all 12 months long. There's a peak period, but an estimated 30,000 people. And it fluctuates between 12,000 and almost 80,000 a year, depending on how bad and depending on how many strains. 30,000 people. We didn't have a national lockdown. And all the rest of it. We have what we think are vaccines and therapies and so forth, uh, which... In some cases, do a good job, and obviously in other cases, don't work. We'll eventually have something for this, the Wuhan coronavirus. But we don't right now. The worldwide death number, according to the CDC, from the Wuhan coronavirus is currently 7,000. Now, that'll go up. We have 30,000 deaths. This flu season. I'm not doing this to pretend that this virus is not serious. It is serious. I'm doing this because I don't want to be part of the hype machine. People who know nothing about this virus coming on TV and radio, scaring the crap out of you. People on TV who lied to you about Russia and the Ukraine and so forth, trashing the president, using this as another opportunity to hype and dramatize their agenda. I'll be back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning, but what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue. That having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale college student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, 
dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You know, there haven't been that many tests and that much testing. There will be much more in, in the near future, of course. So maybe let, let's pretend, Mr. Producer, that there's a half a million people who have this virus. Maybe a million people who have this virus. I guess that would make the death toll even smaller, right, as a percentage? Unless they're not able to determine how many people are actually dying from the virus. But then we're in never-never land, and we're busy chasing our tails. Everyone who has heart disease isn't tested for heart disease. We don't really know how many people in this country have heart disease because everyone's not tested for it. We just don't know. You know, you don't walk in and say, I want to test for heart disease. Now, maybe maybe some people do. They have conditions that warrant it and so forth and so on. But rational statisticians and experts come up with conclusions. Or draw the best estimates that they can. So we don't know how many people really have heart disease in this country. We don't really know how many people die from heart attacks in this country. Because everybody doesn't get an autopsy. Some people it's obvious. Some people it's not. I'm just giving an example. How many people have cancer today? Well, sadly enough, some people have cancer today and they don't know they have it. So presumably more than the number we know. So people can play with these numbers all they want. I'm just describing what's in front of us. Discussing what's in front of us. But I'm assuming this is serious. Don't get me wrong. I'm assuming this is a bad thing. I know it is. There's simply no question about that. Look at China. Look at South Korea. Look at Italy. And what the president is trying to do is prevent us from becoming them. There's a lot a president can do. There's a lot governors and localities can do. But there's only so much. It's still a virus. Government is government. Human beings are human beings. We're not God. We're not God. And what we have to do is make sure we don't make matters worse. Whether it's our financial and economic systems or our medical systems. That's why I feel the president has been doing a prudent job. He hasn't been hesitating. He hasn't been slow. He's made a lot of very big decisions. But he needs the information to make sure he's making the right decisions so he doesn't make matters worse. It's easy for the Senate minority leader to throw around... Seven hundred three quarters of a trillion dollar stimulus plan. And look, for all I know, our president will sign it. <clears throat> My view, and I love the guy. He just signs too much of this stuff. But that's fine. <clears throat> I'm just saying, what the hell does Chuck Schumer know? What does he have access to? Very little. But the number sounds good. Seven hundred and fifty billion. Why not seven hundred and forty two billion? 
Why not $737 billion, $300 million? Still a lot of money. Or $787 billion. There's no rhyme or reason to this. I want to talk about the media too in a moment. Because this is endless. It is depressing. And you're not getting a lot of real information. These people, it's not like they're, they're in Wuhan, China. Or Italy or South Korea. Interviewing people. Basically, they're getting the information from our federal government and state and local governments. And some of them, precious few, are reporting the facts and then others are using it. Why don't you do this? How come you haven't done that? Why weren't you aware of this? How come you didn't order this? How come you didn't do that? How come you didn't? Anybody can do that. And that's why when politicians panic like Romney is right now, they say, hey, I have an idea. Let's give everybody $1,000 and infants $500. That'll get the economy going. No, it won't. How will that get the economy going? You're being told not to go to restaurants, not to go to bars, not to go to sporting events, not to gather in a group more than 10. How is that going to get the economy going? Give another thousand bucks in your pocket. All it does is continue to drive up the debt. Then they're going to increase taxes. This kind of thinking is, is really for mushheads, as far as I'm concerned. All right. I mean, I get a zillion emails a day. I've got my local representative, who is a left-wing Democrat quack, sending me coronavirus advice. Why do I need coronavirus advice from her? Then we got Chuck Schumer with a massive stimulus bill. A man who knows nothing about finance, nothing about the economy, has spent his entire life in government. What, are you just going to put a title on it and then people are going to go, well, that's good. That'll get things moving again. No, it won't. The president is right. Doing everything you can to address this virus is what's going to get the economy going again. I watched... This press event today, I got to tell you folks, and I'll, I'll go against the current here. You bet I will. We're extremely lucky to have this president. We're extremely lucky to have this vice president. They are on top of this. They've been on top of this. They are coordinating the federal response. They're coordinating the activities between the private and public entities. They're coordinating with the governors in the localities. They're not just sharing information. They're getting a direction on what's important, giving direction on what's important. They're using the best scientists and, and medical experts that they can find. Many of whom have been through various pandemics before. I mean, there's a lot going on that we know and a lot going on that we don't know. We don't know today what laboratory is doing what, what pharmacy is doing what, what scientists are on the verge of what, here in Israel, around the world. We don't know. We get little news reports here and there, but we actually don't know. Look the other day when they talked about what Walmart is ready to do and others are ready to do. Google and so forth. It's wonderful. 
All in six weeks' time when you think about it. All in six weeks' time. Now, I know many of you, your 401ks and your IRAs are plummeting. So are mine. So is mine. Just relax. In six months, it'll be a completely different story. In one year, in a year and a half, completely different story. So look out for yourselves and look at your own situation. Let's say you own a home. I told this to a family member last night. Let's say you own a home. And this family member's mortgage rate is 4%, I believe. I said, go refinance. But they're closing. I said, go refinance. They just bought the home a year ago. I said, refinance. Mr. Producer's doing the same thing. Now is the time to refinance. You will save, depending on what you... An enormous amount every month. And what about closing points? Well, first of all, you don't have to just talk to one mortgage company or bank. You can talk to several. But that said, look, you do what you want. I'm just talking about Mark. You can wrap those into the cost of the mortgage, Mr. Producer. And the banks have loosened their regulations. So it's easy to get the mortgage, and the points will be lower. Now's the time to act. Not jump off the roof. If you haven't bought a home, and I know what the economy looks like or where it's headed, but if you have a job that's not affected directly, that is, you're not in a restaurant business or the bar business, and it's a sad, sad thing of what's going on in those businesses. Now may be the time to buy. When the bottom fell out of the real estate market, when was that, 2007, 2008, something like that? That's when I went to Florida and bought a piece of land that I could never otherwise get. I know I'm not supposed to say these things, but I'm telling you. You don't have to follow me. I'm not Dave Ramsey. I'm not Rick Edelman. I'm just little old Mark Levine who does pretty damn well on his own. I said to my wife, in the next day or two, you know, you invest in these mutual funds where you're retirement. I'm moving all my treasury into other monies. I'm going to keep an eye on the market, out of that, and into the market. You know that old bumper sticker statement? Buy low and sell high? Never been truer. Never been truer. And I'm not saying this to pump up anyone or anything. I'm just telling you, you're hearing one side of the story. You're hearing one thing. Now, I have to say this. I've been to the grocery store now twice in the last five days. Today was unbelievable. While I was at this grocery, this supermarket, really, they had a delivery of toilet paper, Mr. Producer. And they stacked it up in the corner. And they had a couple of big guys, and one big gal, I must say. They looked like, you know, bouncers at a bar. One, not one roll, one package of 12 per customer. And it went very smoothly. But then when I walked down the shelves, I saw the empty shelves, chicken empty, meat going, I thought to myself, what's going on here? This isn't Venezuela. This isn't Cuba. This isn't the old Soviet Union. This isn't Wuhan, China. 
Why the horrific panic? I blame it on three things. The media, number one and foremost. The politicians, number two. And the natural concern about the future, of which you cannot be certain, number three. But you cannot watch CNN, you cannot watch MSNBC, you cannot read the New York Times or the Washington Post. You cannot listen to the bulk of radio news and some radio hosts. You cannot go to the Drudge Report, you cannot go to the Mediaite site, sites like that, and walk away without being panicked. And what all these news outlets are doing, old and new, old media and new media, is a disgrace. You're getting very little factual information. The vast majority of the factual information we are getting is each day when the president and or vice president hold their national press event. And they stand there for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, with the experts explaining what they're doing. That's where I get the bulk of my information, Mr. Producer. Or doing my own research. People who are real serious scholars. You're not going to get it on CNN. You're not going to get it on MSNBC. They have an axe to grind. That's all they do. You're not going to get it from these websites who take the most horrific events, cherry pick them, flop them up there in red or whatever, and want you to go click, 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 click. Or phonies who come on TV and radio and want you to believe that they're Nostradamus. They have no background in science, no background in medicine. But they, they know everything or they know what, what needs to be done and nobody's listening to them. And of course, their financial and economic advice is always the same. Spend, 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 and spend. Centralized decision making, centralized decision making. More bridges, more tunnels, more buildings. More, 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 more. Like that's going to fix something. Well, it's not. I'll be right back. I've been talking a lot about the four pillars or purposes of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. We focus quite a bit on the first pillar of learning. But what about character? Learning the right things to the point where you truly know them is a rigorous business. It isn't possible without strong character. Hillsdale's great president, Larry Arn, and his outstanding faculty at Hillsdale know that intellectual virtue is meaningless without moral virtue, that having knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't use what you know to serve the good, however possible. And here's an outstanding fact. Every entering freshman at Hillsdale signs an honor code that reads as follows. A Hillsdale college student is honorable in conduct, honest in word and deed, dutiful in study and service, and respectful of the rights of others. Through education, the student rises to self-government. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You know, in the next hour, I want to talk about a number of things as well, including why this is nothing like we go into a recession, past recessions, or the depression, nothing. 
I keep hearing on TV leftists saying that governors and mayors are having to step into the void because the president isn't making these decisions, that they're way ahead, shutting down schools, closing restaurants and bars. First of all, they're not filling any void. They're doing their damn jobs. It's not up to the president of the United States to shut down classrooms and local bars and restaurants. That's what we have governors and mayors for, not to shut them down, but to make decisions on the ground. I know it makes the left and some pseudo-conservatives happy to just see a lot of action, a lot of centralized governmental action. But that's not the way to handle this. Some localities are different than others. Some states are different than others. Uh, And uh, where the federal government steps in, the federal government steps in. There's a balance. But you should hear them. They want the president to step in and just grab everything. And until he does, you see, he's not doing enough. Why? Because he's not destroying the economy. He's not destroying checks and balance. He's not destroying everything in dealing with this virus, much of which would add up to nothing anyway. Stick with us. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So the president is being pressured to centralize all state and local decision-making in the Oval Office. Schools should be closed, up to him. Restaurants and bars should be closed, up to him. Churches and synagogues and mosques should be closed, up to him. It's an enormous amount of power. Not only that, we're not spending enough. $50 billion is a drop in the buck under the National Emergency Act. Schumer says we need to spend another $750 billion. That would come to $800 billion. Still not enough. Still not enough. Every person who loses their job should be guaranteed an income. Every person who loses their job should be guaranteed an income. Really? Since when? I, listen, I don't mind some temporary things and so forth, but that's not what the Democrats are all about. That's not actually what's going on here. If the federal government is going to force businesses to shutter, that's one thing. Like the federal government regulates the airlines and so forth. So I understand all that. Or if there's a temporary infusion of funds, I got that too. But $750 billion, that is a lot of money. And it's not going to do a hell of a lot. You know, the worst recession, I'm 62, the worst recession I lived through was actually during the early part of the Reagan administration. He kind of inherited it from Jimmy Carter. And... uh 
I don't remember all these efforts to build government buildings or all these demands to build government buildings, government highways, government tunnels, to spend enormous amounts of sums in the, uh, from the federal government. I remember Reagan just holding steady and Volcker holding steady. Different circumstances, I understand, but if you're unemployed, it doesn't make it any better. As a result of a tough 12 to 18 month period, the economy exploded in wealth creation, exploded in jobs, 25 million jobs created right through the Reagan's second term into the Clinton presidency. We'd never seen anything like this. Never. Still haven't. It's hard to hold the line sometimes. And by the way, again, I am not downplaying this virus. I'm trying to put it in some perspective, some context, because there's too many people hyping this thing. Way too many. We don't want a Franklin Roosevelt. We want a Donald Trump, and that's what we've got. Who's more like Reagan than Roosevelt? We don't want a president and a party that's going to use this as an opportunity to fundamentally transform America. One of the reasons some of these governors, like Cuomo and others, are complaining is the same reason the people on TV, who are pundits, complain. Because the American people are very antsy about this. Because there are any simple solutions to this. Because in order to have treatments and vaccines and so forth, it takes time even when you truncate the protocols. It's just easy. And what a weaker president would do is all of a sudden he'd start doing all these things to nationalize decision-making and so forth. Now, why is this possible recession different than 1929? Or even different from the recession under Carter Reagan? Why is it different? Anybody know, Mr. Producer? Do you know why? Because it wasn't caused by the financial system. And it wasn't caused by the economy. It wasn't caused by the stock market. The economic and financial institutions and the economic and financial systems are extremely strong. The reason, should we have a recession or negative growth, is a result of this virus and the response to the virus. We didn't have a collapse of the stock market leading to a massive recession and then decisions leading to a depression. We have this horrific virus. And the consequences from the virus, the decisions made as a result of the virus... Not purely economic decisions, so it was purely or mostly economic and financial decisions that led to the Great Depression. People stretched on margin for their stocks, buying stocks, pennies pennies on the dollar. Decisions by the Federal Reserve, tightening the money supply rather than loosening it, and on and on and on. And then, of course, decisions by Roosevelt. You don't have that here. 
You don't have the Federal Reserve causing a recession. You don't have the, the, uh, the fiscal side causing a recession. You don't have stupid decisions made economically causing this a possible recession. You have responses to Mother Nature and this virus. Decisions being made in the civil society, about the civil society, that result in economic consequences. So it's not the economy of the financial systems that are weak or bad decisions in that regard that that are leading to some kind of economic downturn. No. They are reacting. And reacting the way they should react, quite frankly, to decisions that are made as a result of a pandemic. So it has nothing in common with past recessions or the Depression. Nothing whatsoever. And we'll see. The outcome won't be the same either because we have a different president who's not a progressive seeking to use the opportunity to rejigger society and to massively grow the federal government. Conversely, when you listen to this debate by these two clowns last night, that's all they kept talking about. Now, what's interesting is in Canada... Trudeau, who's a big lib, you know what he announced today? Only Canadian citizens and a handful of others, American citizens and a relative few others, are going to be allowed to come into Canada. Did you hear this, Mr. Producer? He sounds like Donald Trump on the border. Do you know what Joe Biden said yesterday? Joe Biden said yesterday there will be no deportations for the first three or six months of his presidency. I I, I don't recollect what he said, but it was three or six months, 100 days, whatever it was. Unless you commit a felony in America. So if you've committed a felony in Mexico or whatever country and you get into America, that's not a basis for deportation. If you commit... A severe misdemeanor in America, that's not a basis for deportation. The fact that you're here illegally is not a basis for deportation. And Joe Biden says he will not construct a wall. So ladies and gentlemen, even the left-wing Canadian Prime Minister, Trudeau, says they must secure their border and only... Canadian citizens, American citizens, and a handful of others will be permitted into Canada. Joe Biden's running for president now. That the border's going to be open. That if you manage to get here, you can stay here. He wants to give citizenship to 11 million illegal aliens. That's what he said. And there's more than 11. There's 20 million. Can't be 11 million every year, the same year, year after year. That's what he's going to do. And there ought to be free, not just testing for the virus, but free treatment for the virus. Not free treatment for cancer. Not free treatment for for a horrific flu that kills 30,000 Americans a year. No, no, no. For this virus. See, the politicization of this, and you can see some insight into how these central government types would manage these things. It's not based on anything in particular, but how, how this plays out in the population is really awful. 
It's terrible. The solutions are not going to come from Congress or out of the White House or even HHS. They're not even going to come out of the CDC or the NIH. They can help. There's no question. They're going to come out of the hated, massive laboratory system that we have in the private sector. These massive pharmaceutical companies, which we're told need to be nationalized. That's where they're going to come from, whether in our country or other countries. It's not going to come from a communist regime either. It's not going to come from Cuba. It's not going to come from Russia. It's not going to come from Red China. It's going to come from America. It's going to come from Israel, maybe Australia. Countries like that. Because they have a robust private sector. They have a robust pharmaceutical industry. More when I return. I'll be right back. Mark in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Joe Biden from last night. Cut 19, go. In the first 100 days of my administration, no one, no one will be deported at all. From that point on, the only deportations that will take place are commissions of felonies in the United States. So stop a second. You understand. No one will be deported in the first 100 days, even people who've committed felonies. No one. Is this rational to anybody? Is this justice to anybody? Because they're aliens? They're treated this way? As opposed to American citizens? Tell me, do you have a 100-day hiatus? This has gone so far. It is so outrageous. And can you imagine the number of people who are going to be coming through our borders? No wall. Undermining the Border Patrol and ICE. He said he supports sanctuary cities. Free health care for illegal aliens. No aliens to be deported in the first hundred days of his administration. Can you imagine the incredible anarchy and the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people are going to pour over the border in the first 100 days of a Biden administration? We have this virus now. Even the 
The Canadian Prime Minister, who's a leftist, wants to secure his border? And Joe Biden says he won't? And they attack Donald Trump, who has done his very best? It's incredible to me how ideology, and a lousy ideology at that, is controlling here. He's supposed to be the moderate. There's nothing moderate about this guy. Really. Go ahead. So to be clear, only felons get deported and everyone else is the same. No, 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 no. The first hundred days, they don't even get deported. The period, yes. Go ahead. Yes, and the reason is it's about uniting families. It's about making sure that we can both be a nation of immigrants as well as a nation that is decent. First of all, we are a nation that is decent, and I'm sick and tired of these Democrat left-wing pukes saying otherwise. And it's not about uniting families. We have no idea if these people coming across the border even have families. And nobody dragged them across the border. If there's a separation or a split in the families, it's, it's their doing, not our doing. But even now, when they go on and on about drastic steps that have to be taken, nationalize this industry, nationalize that, close this, close that, the only thing that stays open is the border. Why? We don't even know who the hell's coming here. We don't know if they have any diseases. They haven't been tested. Doesn't matter. And this idiot from Univision, of course she didn't follow up and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How are you going to know if any of these people have the Wuhan coronavirus Chinese virus? Unbelievable to me. Let's get back to this. I wanted to move into this anyway. And I would just say this, by the way, about these supermarkets. Shame on us. Shame on us. There's absolutely no justification for there to be empty shelves in these supermarkets. Grabbing toilet paper, grabbing paper towels, grabbing meat, grabbing chicken, grabbing bottled water, grabbing, grabbing. To what end? This isn't a virus, it's in the water system. Open your damn spigot, and there comes the water, Mr. Producer. Have you noticed that? You don't need toilet paper for three months. What do you do, eat it? Paper towels? You don't need paper. You got cloth towels. You still have detergent. You still have, most of you, a washing machine and a dryer. What's the problem? And really? How many turkey legs and turkey breasts do you need? How many pounds of meat do you need? It's so ridiculous. It's so absurd. It's just mobbed. I'm in the it's literally mobbed. You know what I got, Mr. Producer? Hope my wife's not listening. I better not, but it's too late I started. Two donuts I got. I'm the only one standing at the bakery. Everybody else, so you got the hand and the toilet, and I'm at the bakery. I'm like a Nirvana. Anyway, I want you to listen to this. This is Andrew Cuomo in Albany today. 
He's a real jerk, this guy, and his brother is too. Just a nasty guy. He cares about people, though. Unless, of course, they're babies and they're born from botched abortions. Then he doesn't care so much. Then it's a choice. Cut 10, go. If you look at the countries who have handled this, I don't care if it's China, South Korea, if it's All right, Italy. hold on, hold on, hold on. China. He doesn't care. They're China. Look at the play. Go ahead. If you look at the countries who have handled this, I don't care if it's China, South Korea, if it's Italy, they were all handled by national leadership. You know, this we're is- running out of time this thing. We'll play this after the bottom of the hour. Who would switch what we have and what we're living through with China, South Korea, Italy? Would you, Mr. Producer? Haven't their societies pretty much gone to hell? China, South Korea, or Italy? All three countries that did a lousy job. And China? You're going to point to China where this virus began? China? Which is killing its doctors that called this to attention of the world? And its reporters? Cuomo's going to point to China? More when I return. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Don't forget the phone number for now. It's temporary. 866-505-4626. That's 866-505-4626. We are broadcasting through our affiliate, the great WABC. Isn't that true, Mr. Producer? He's here. He is... Anyway, uh, (laughs) I won't do the old chant. Remember that old chant, Mr. Producer? Yes, you do. All right, uh, what am I doing? Oh, Mr. Producer wants me to do a commercial. By the way... That's his fault. That's on him. He's always telling me to do commercials. All right. Well, we want to keep a thriving, healthy economy anyway. Don't you wish you were at the post office right now? No, I don't think you do. Neither do I. Running a business or keeping up with your schedule takes a lot, and sometimes there's just just not enough hours in the day. You've got better and more important things to do. That's why you need stamps.com. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do at stamps.com. Their on-demand postage means you can skip that trip to the post office. And time isn't the only thing you'll be saving. This is one of the places I guess you're not supposed to be going to. And with stamps.com, you can get $0.05 off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off shipping rates. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. There's no equipment to lease, no long-term commitments. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Right now, you, my listeners, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, plus a digital scale, 
without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the, of the homepage, uh, that's stamps.com, and enter the word bunker. Stamps.com, enter the word bunker. Did I say bunker? Stamps.com, enter the word bunker. Now, it's interesting to me uh, that Mr. Cuomo, when it comes to centralized government leadership, he's always going to court to fight the president of the United States and his Environmental Protection Agency, to fight the president of the United States and his immigration decisions, to fight the president of the United States on sanctuary cities. But here he wants a national, top-down directive. Not when it comes to infanticide, not when it comes to all the things that Cuomo disagrees with. There he wants complete independence. When it comes to this, he wants centralized decision-making. But why does he think the federal government will be able to make better decisions than he will for the state of New York? Well, in his case, maybe it will. But you know what I mean? And these blue state, left-wing governors and legislatures are off to the races. Now, they weren't off to the races. Uh, Let me give you another example. When the President of the United States put in place a ban of immigrants or visitors coming from communist China, was Cuomo in support of that? Was Cuomo in support of that? How about the governor of California? How about the governor of Illinois? How about a... No, they hated it. So they're not really looking for decisions by the President of the United States. They're looking for money. Because they've spent their budgets. They don't have a rainy day fund. They're well over their budget. They, they have nothing. What would be interesting is if we found out if any of these governors were ready for a pandemic. You know, they have their own health offices and they have their own bureaucracies to deal with issues and so forth. Be interesting to know how New York has conducted itself. Maybe it's been great. Or California or Illinois or any of the rest of them. Anyway, it is a sickening sickening thing for this governor to say China look to China for national leadership and look how well China did ladies and gentlemen their top doctors who were pointing out what was taking place they disappeared they're independent journalists we have very few citizen journalists disappeared it's been a major cover up dragging people out of their homes dragging them out of their homes this is, this, is this what Cuomo's talking about? Cut 10, go. You look at the countries who have handled this. I don't care if it's China, South Korea, if it's Italy. They were all handled by national leadership. China, is- South Korea, and Italy are not set up like the United States, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing. All the best decisions are not going to come from Washington, D.C. We may get some great decisions from governors in the various states. That's the truth. This idea of decentralized decision-making, I'm not talking about in every instance, but I'm not talking about centralized decision-making in every instance either. It's a balance. This idea that we may get some great ideas out of the states and localities, and we may get a lot of great ideas and advancements out of our private sector, is foreign to the Cuomo's of the world. Go ahead. National problem. 
Uh, it cannot be done. Tell me, a... what problem is not a national problem to the left? They want to nationalize health care. Uh, climate change. They want a Green New Deal. They're in our bedrooms. They're in our homes. They're in our cars. Telling us how many miles per gallon we can get. I don't know if you've taken a shower lately, but they actually control how much water comes out of the shower head. I can go on and on and on. Everything for the left is a national decision, except, of course, when it comes to decisions they don't agree with. Then they want local and state autonomy. Go ahead. Meal method. You need federal parameters to stop the national patchwork of density reduction closing. I'm watching these daily press events with the president and or vice president. I'm listening to the experts. Maybe the governor should watch this too. They're giving national guidelines. But ladies and gentlemen, if I'm the governor and I think things need to be done in my state, why am I waiting around for anybody else? I'm the chief executive of my state. I can make these decisions. I have my own, effectively, CDC. My own scientific experts. It wasn't that long ago when DiCamio in New York City was saying, hey, we got great science guys here. Give us our heads. Let us do our own testing. Finally, they got it. There they didn't want centralized decision making. But you have governors who are making tough decisions and they're not whining. Like DeSantis in Florida. I happen to know because I watched DeSantis in Florida. He's terrific. And others. Go ahead. Two national uh, interviews this morning, and I was watching the national news. You see a whole hodgepodge of efforts being taken across the country. This state is doing this. This state is doing this. This city is doing this. Uh, it's chaos. No, it's not chaos. I'll give you an example. You've got a high concentration of this virus, or did, in one particular community in Washington State. Really, they can actually market to a nursing home. If I'm the local officials there, and if I'm even the state officials there, I got to deal with this situation on the ground that's in my face. I got to deal with reality. It may not be the same thing that's going on in Portland, Maine. But if I'm the mayor and the city council of Portland, Maine, maybe I'm looking at this and maybe I want to make the same decisions. But if the president's making a decision, he says, look what's going on in the state of Washington. Now I'm going to apply XYZ standard for the whole country. That's not going to work. When it comes to federal authority, airplanes and interstate commerce and all those things, I get that. I get that this is possibly, maybe it is. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely not sure. An airborne disease, whatever it is, a virus, whatever it is. The federal government's putting out guidance, but the federal government's not perfect either. And what if states are better able to handle this in their local communities. It's not a hodgepodge. Just because you don't have the iron fist of a communist China. And why would he point to South Korea and Italy, which were disasters, Mr. Producer? I don't even understand that. Just because you don't have an iron fist. You know what's amazing? They accuse Trump of being a dictator. 
That son of a gun, he's a dictator. He does whatever he wants. He doesn't follow the rules. He doesn't, he doesn't care what the states think, what the sanctions. Does whatever the hell he wants, this guy. Ignores the law. Now they want a dictator. I told you this last week. They want a dictator. Unless, of course, he disagrees with them. But they want a dictator. They want the president to control the school systems, the local restaurants, the local bars. It's amazing. They want him to control Uber, taxi companies. They want him to control, uh, you name it. Because when you have a virus like this, really, it affects everything. All walks of life. Really, most industries. Small and large. So under that theory, we need a national policy, a national leader. Can you imagine this guy? And he's pointing to China. It's scary. So there's not even a debate on what a central government should and shouldn't do. It should do everything and anything. Right? And it may not even be right what it does. Let's take another one. Let's go to cut. Do I have time? Let's see. Yeah, cut 11. This is Bill de Blasio, Saturday on MSLSD, hat tip right scoop. Go. Here's the reality. This is a war-like situation. We're in a wartime scenario yes. with a Mar-a-Lago attitude <laughs> being used by the yeah. federal government, right? It's, it's so laid back, and I don't understand it. And by the way, testing, how about ventilators? Where is the federal government making sure that our hospitals have the ventilators that we're going to need? Where is the federal government when it comes to surgical masks, getting them distributed where they need? This is a case for a nationalization, literally a nationalization of crucial factories and industries that could produce the medical supplies to prepare this country for what we need. Can you imagine? He wants to nationalize crucial factories and industries. Crucial. You see, this is the this this is in the DNA of the left. The DNA, unfortunately, of the Democrat Party leaders. Cuomo points to China, among other places, which is a genocidal regime that has handled this virus horrifically, and it broke out in the Wuhan province, and they covered it up, and they still won't let our scientists there. The president a month ago offered to send our best scientists there to figure. Won't do it. Now they're blaming the United States military for the virus. That's what Cuomo points to. And now de Blasio, a.k.a. de Camio, says we need to nationalize crucial factories and industries. That's what we need to do. And I bet a lot of people are listening to this and say, yes, we do. That's what we need to do. Because then we'll get more masks and ventilators and respirators and all the rest. No, you won't. No, you won't. Oh, it's terrible. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let me tell you what's not going to happen. CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, NBC, ABC, CBS, all of them, really. When they, when they meet during the day and work, isn't that a gathering of more than 10, Mr. Producer? Isn't there a gathering of more than 10 at the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost on cable TV? 
Yes, it's a gathering of more than 10. Then why are the restaurants required to shut down, but these newsrooms are not? Well, because, Mark, they have guests coming in. Well, don't they have guests, Mr. Producer? They have guests. They have guest commentators. People coming and going. Very transient in newsrooms. Very transient. Very transient. So how come they're not shutting them down? This is a serious question. CNN, why aren't you shutting down? Or limiting your staff to 10? MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post. I'm even calling you by your proper names. I think it's a great question. Thank me. You know, computer systems and cars are the new normal, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But all this advanced tech is expensive to fix if and when it breaks. That's why I have CarShield. CarShield is affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers and GPS, electronics, and more. And with CarShield, you're behind the wheel of your plan. CarShield has customizable monthly plans with rates as low as $99 a month. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers, so drive with confidence, knowing you got coverage from America's number one auto protection provider with rates as low as $99 a month. You've nothing to lose. Get covered by CarShield today like we have. Call 800-CAR-6000. And mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Either way, you'll save 10%. That's 800-CAR-6000, code LEVIN, carshield.com, code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. All right. Let's listen to Bernie Sanders last night. He's a genius when it comes to these things. Cut 15, go. And bottom line here is in terms of Medicare for all, despite what the vice president is saying what the experts tell us is that one of the reasons that we are unprepared and have been unprepared is we don't have a system. We got thousands of private insurance plans. Hey, jackass. That's right. You're a jackass. Ever hear of communist China? Oh, yeah, they like to call themselves democratic socialists, too. The People's Republic, a.k.a. the People's... Anyway, so... They've got all kinds of systems. And when they don't work, they have other systems. Like gulags, like a police state. You, you jerk. You don't know the first thing about anything. But you act like you know everything. We don't have systems, systems. Meanwhile, there's Lawrence O'Donnell at MSLSD. Another guy in the negative IQ territory. But he knows everything. Listen to this guy and think of it. Would you be a a news organization and have a man like this on your airwaves? Cut seven, go. The most incompetent and uninformed president in history has led the federal government into the worst emergency response to a pandemic that we have ever seen in this country. So in one breathless run-on sentence, this guy demonstrates what a jackass buffoon that he is. Larry. Go ahead. Will tell us that it's one of the worst responses by any government in the world today. More people are sick in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. You believe this? You believe this guy? Go ahead. People are dead and dying in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. Shut up. Shut up, you 
This guy. Oh, man, if he and he, what is it that Biden likes to say? If we were in high school, I'd take him out back. Isn't that what Biden always says? Well, to quote Joe Biden, if we were in high school, I'd take this guy out back. But of course, we don't make threats unless, unless we're Joe Biden and we don't know what time it is, what town we're in, or what day it is. But listen to what this fool says, and it's okay with MSNBC and NBC and Comcast. Do you have Comcast cable, ladies and gentlemen? It stinks, doesn't it? It stinks. I'm not talking about the hard men and women, the blue-collar workers that work for it. What a bunch of lousy executives. What a bunch of schmoes that hire a guy like Larry O'Donnell. Guess what? More people are sick today and dead today. More people are sick and dead today because MSNBC's on the air. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number eight. No, that's not our number. Our number is 866, our temporary number. 505-4626-866-505-4626. I don't want anyone to get the misimpression that I don't think this is serious. I think I've said that 50 times today, Mr. Producer. I think it's very serious. But I think we have to really consider what it is that's being done or what we want done. We want the greatest minds in the country, in the planet, working on this. Aren't they? Is somebody stopping them? No. It doesn't mean they ought to be centralized in an office in Washington, D.C. Many of them in the private sector. Many of them in the government. Some of them are overseas. They're sharing information. They're working together. So nobody's saying that's, that's not occurring. But many of you have been in offices, you've been in situations where if everything is in the same room and there's the same boss, single decisions are made that might be the wrong decisions. Single decisions are made that might slow down advancement or progress. That's why we believe in capitalism. That's why we believe in competition. So the best ideas can, in fact... Be considered and not squelched at the outset. That's how bureaucracy works, though. Now, as much as I love the president and think he's a very brilliant man, he doesn't know everything. He would be the first to tell you he doesn't know everything. 
some experts disagree on what to do. This is why maybe one expert should go in that direction, another expert should go in that direction. I'll give you an example. They said today they're going to have 45 individuals in the Seattle area where they're going to begin the first leg of testing a possible vaccine. Usually there's three levels to this, to a new drug. They are condensing the time to expedite this process. Okay, good. Very important. Let's say it doesn't work. So if all of our eggs are in that basket, then where do we go? What do we do? But all of our eggs are not in that basket. There are multiple companies working on this, multiple labs working on this, multiple countries working on this. They're working on it basically in every country that is capable of working on it is working on it. You read stories about a potential breakthrough in the country of Israel. You read stories about a potential breakthrough in the country of Australia, in the country of Canada, in our own country. If all these decisions are centralized, you're not going to have the dynamic. If we knew the answer was a matter of just connecting the dots and we just connect the dots, then we don't need multiple countries and scores of of labs and pharmaceutical companies working on this. But we need them. We need all of them using their expertise, their own backgrounds, their own gut reactions, their own thought processes to be applied to this. And the faster, the better. So when people say we lack national direction, sometimes national or centralized direction is counterproductive. In fact, it can be deadly. The national direction we need is to push down all barriers and obstacles and regulatory problems. And the president has done that. And now we're all libertarians, right? On the one hand, we want a dictator. On the other hand, we're libertarians. You understand, Mr. Producer? Get the regulations out of the way. But we need an iron-fisted dictator to make all the decisions. And Cuomo points to China. I don't know. Is there some great vaccine that came out of China? As a matter of fact... Every plague this past century, I can think of, a friend of mine wrote me, has come out of China. The SARS, this one, there's been others too. And he points to China, Cuomo. Well, apparently they're not making the best decisions. And if ever there was a time to look at our healthcare and medical system and to be proud of it, it's now. Because the whole world is looking at it for a solution, for an answer. It's now. Now do you believe me when I say we have the best system on the face of the earth? Now do you believe me when I say we should respect our doctors and nurses? Now do you believe me when I say we shouldn't be trashing our pharmaceutical companies and our labs? Now do you believe me? Well, most of you already did, but you get my rhetorical point. Where's the greatest health care system in Cuba today, Mr. Sanders? What are we going to get out of Denmark? How about Switzerland? Nothing. Doesn't mean they can't contribute, but that's not where the world's looking, is it? And they want to destroy the greatest healthcare system on the face there. They want to destroy our pharmaceutical companies. Or to quote the late, not great Lawrence O'Donnell, dumb as he is, the left 
makes people sicker and kills people. Right, Larry? Right. Now, I want you to listen to Bernie Sanders last night. This is relevant. Some people want him to be president of the United States. Cut 15, go. And bottom line here is in terms of Medicare for all, despite what the vice president is saying, what the experts tell us is that one of the reasons that we are unprepared and have been unprepared is we don't have a system. We got thousands of private insurance plans. That is not a system that is prepared to provide health care to all people. In a good year, without the epidemic, we're losing up to 60,000 people who die every year because they don't get to a doctor on time. And it's clearly right, this whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. He's not so slick. 60,000, just take him at his word, 60,000 people, and I really don't, but let's pretend, let's play along, who die every year because they don't get to a doctor on time. How many of those are related to the Veterans Administration? How many of those are related to the fact that they have nothing to do with insurance companies, but they don't get to a doctor on time because they choose not to? Nah, I know I have that pain. But yeah, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. We have no idea what that statistic means. None. But you see, he's talking about insurance plans. This has nothing to do with insurance plans. We're trying to conquer a virus. It has nothing to do with insurance plans. The president, you know, they hated Donald Trump, has already convinced our insurance companies through his emergency steps that the test is free. And they're pouring out as many tests as they can, producing them. And the insurance companies are all going to cover Treatment for the virus. So what is he talking about insurance companies? This isn't about insurance companies, ladies and gentlemen. This is about developing treatments or developing a uh, a vaccine to deal with this. It's nothing to do with insurance companies. But it doesn't matter because these guys, these guys are not running on a record. These guys are running on hopes and dreams and abstractions and theories which will always come out better than reality. They're telling you they can fix this. You just have to elect them and destroy the healthcare system and replace it with the greatest imaginable system, imaginable. And everybody will be fine. Or at least more people will be fine. That's how they run. President of the United States has to run on reality. These are what we did. This is what we got. I took these steps and these steps and these steps. Well, I would have taken better steps, more steps, bigger steps. You won't fix the problem. You won't fix the system. I, I, Bernie Sanders, have all the answers. I, Joe Biden, I know how to fix this. Of course, he's been around forever and a day. Of course, he was part of Obamacare, and apparently they didn't know how to fix it. They were there with the CDC and all the rest of these agencies. They didn't apparently modernize them or whatever it is they claim they want to do to them. But listen to these people. Trump wants to kill people. Trump should follow China. 
Trump, uh, Trump should, uh, should trash the health care system, the insurance companies. These are the ideas. Pelosi, we have a bill, an original bill. Emergency bill had funding for abortions. Uh, that has about as much to do with the virus as what? And she's loaded up this bill with other stuff that she wants, which is why I agree with Chip Roy and others who voted against it. I would never have voted for this bill. You can call it whatever you want, and you can run against me and say I, I, I somehow favor the virus. But the fact is, I'm not going to vote for a bill like this that advances the left-wing agenda and puts more small and medium businesses out of business. I'm not going to use this as an opportunity, as an opportunity to advance my ideological agenda. So I'm voting against this. Can never get a clean bill out of these idiots. So I want to be clear. I'm not saying this virus is not a problem. It is going to get worse before it gets better. What I'm addressing is both the good that's been done, the way the president, in my view, has grabbed this, the vice president has grabbed this, they are coordinating with governors. They are coordinating with local officials. They're coordinating with their, their medical people and their scientific people. They're coordinating with the private sector. They're meeting after meeting. They are not just meeting. They are announcing the progress from these meetings, the various things that come out of these meetings. We've never seen anything like this, and they're trying to address it. They want to make sure we don't conduct ourselves, Mr. Cuomo, like China South Korea, and Italy. Because if we do, there will be tens of thousands of deaths. Look, there might be anyway. There could be anyway. I don't know. But I do know when the president acted early on to stop travel from China, then later to stop travel from the European Union countries because they did such a piss-poor job, and now he's doing it with Britain too, he came under vicious attack, particularly when it came to China. Meanwhile, Chuck Schumer has a new plan. Hey, I have an idea. Let's spend three quarters of a trillion dollars on, on a stimulus package. What'd they do? Dust off Obama's book? And the money never seems to go where it's supposed to go. It goes through layers and layers of bureaucracy. The feds, the state, the locals. And the guy at the end gets a pittance. Or you have to fill out 400 pages of paperwork. And we're told this is going to help Help the economy. I don't know. Maybe the president will think so too. I don't think it will. I'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Now, Joe Biden shocked me last night with this statement. Cut 17, Mr. Producer. Go. Number one, I committed that if I'm elected president, have an opportunity to appoint someone to the courts, will be I'll appoint the first black woman to the courts. It's required that they have representation now. It's long overdue. Secondly, if I'm elected president, my my cabinet, my administration will look like the country. And I commit that I will, in fact, appoint a I'll pick a woman to be vice president. Now, this was very troubling to me. Joe Biden said he will pick a woman to be vice president. I've sat here for a long time now, and I've listened, watched. As we're not supposed to make genitalia distinctions. Or better put, genitalia-based distinctions. Children are being taught in elementary school. Don't say she or he or him or her woman or lady, man or guy, it's it. It. So Joe Biden really made an outrageous statement. He would pick a woman to be vice president. He would pick an it to be vice president. Moreover, I noticed the moderators just sat there with the dumb looks on their faces. And didn't say to him, what do you mean by woman? Do you mean what's between the individual's ears or what's between the individual's legs? Because we've been told over and over again, ladies and gentlemen, it's what's between the ears that matters, not what's between the legs. Am I right about this, Mr. Producer? So what if somebody is actually a male but self-identifies as a female? Would that qualify as the first woman to be vice president under Joe Biden's definition? It should. We hear this from the trans and the other communities all the time. I believe this was official policy in the Obama-Biden administration. So the question becomes, and of course the moderators didn't ask it, Joe, first of all, It's not a woman. It's an it. Number two, Joe. Just because you're biologically born with or without something doesn't mean you're with or without something. If you don't believe you're with or without something, or you do believe you're with or without something, get my drift, Joe. And you know what Joe would say, Mr. Producer? What's today's date? Uh, Anyway... So this was really embarrassing for those of us who, aver- who, who observe the, the culture. But Joe's very PC, you see. He wouldn't pick the first black woman to go on the Supreme Court. He would pick the first radical left-wing black woman. See, it's not just a black woman. It's a radical left-wing black woman. And we don't say woman. When will this dimwit learn? If the current president were to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court, Joe Biden would oppose her. Because first and foremost, it's not the black part or the genitalia part. 
It's the radical liberal part that Joe's really looking for. When Sarah Palin was the running mate of John McCain, and she would have been the first woman vice president had she been elected, who ran against them? Mr. Producer, wasn't it Obama-Biden? Yes, so Biden tried to stop the first woman from being vice president of the United States. Let's be clear. Joe Biden indeed did stop Sarah Palin from being the first woman vice president of the United States. So we have that as well. In other words, he just wants libs, who, and he can check off the box as they pander here and there. Uh, there are some wonderful, wonderful minorities, various backgrounds, who are solid conservatives slash libertarians who would be superb on the Supreme Court or any court, would be superb as vice president or in any cabinet. And Joe Biden's not going to pick anyone who looks, quote-unquote, like America. He only wants to pick somebody who thinks exactly as he does, an ideological leftist. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Now, as I say and as I have said, this virus is very bad, and it's going to get much worse. There's simply no way around it when you look at the rest of the world. But the media really have done a damn poor job, certainly up to now, informing the American people. When you have guys like Lawrence O'Donnell or Joe Scarp or Amika Brzezinski or Don Lemon or Fredo Cuomo, and I can go down the list. Dressed up as journalists, as news people, giving you information, when really their one objective is to take out Trump. It is really a disgusting abuse of a, of a, of a remarkable platform. And uh, really, they are destroying freedom of the press. We have Gloria Borger on CNN last night. After the debate, Joe Biden was a disaster. Sanders was a disaster. They looked like the two old men from the Muppets, and I posted that. But here she is. Cut 13, go. Biden over and over again said, this is bigger than us. This is bigger than America. 
This is about the world and how we interact with each other. And I think that's a point that, according to polling, people trust Biden on. So while I don't think this changed the race in a very dramatic way, I think he managed to reinforce a lot of what people like about him. So he said nothing, Biden. Nothing. That this is bigger than us. It's about the world. We all need to interact with each other. Can you imagine if Donald Trump got up to the microphone today and said that? He'd be pilloried. That's it. So Biden's the one to trust, you see, on the coronavirus. Then we have somebody named Peter, Dr. Peter Hotez, who was on MSLSD last night. Cut 14, go. So I thought uh, the vice president was really pitch perfect tonight. I thought he, he really nailed it uh, and a lot of those elements. Maybe not going quite as far as, as the governors I would have liked, but he was, he was quite strong in terms of the real big picture stuff that needs to be done. The vice president was definitely ahead. What, what's he even talking about? The real big picture stuff that needs to get done. He was vice president. Not that long ago. And what did he do? What did he do with the real big picture stuff? Really quite remarkable. I don't think he did anything. Now, I want to get to some of what the president said today, Mr. Producer. So I am looking. <clears throat> Here it is. Cut one, go. A lot of people are concerned about how long all of this might last. Do you, do you have any kind of estimate that if, if Americans really were to band together and right. do what the White House is suggesting, how quickly you could turn this corner? My favorite question, I ask it all the time. How many times, Anthony? I think I ask him that question every day, and uh, I speak to Deborah. I speak to a lot of them. I These the are the opinions. experts standing behind him. Go ahead. seems to me that if we do a really good job... Uh, will not only hold the death down to a a level that is uh, much lower than the other way, had we not done a good job. Uh, But people are talking about July, August, something like that. So it could be right in that period of time where I say it washes through. Other people don't like that term, but where it washes through. So, so is this the new normal until the height of the summer? Uh, we'll see what happens, but they think uh, August could be July, could be longer than that. But I've asked that question many, many times. So it's going to be with us for a while. It's going to be with us for a while. I mean, I feel like this president is really on top of this issue. He's, he's, he's really engaged. He's really uh, trying to get to the bottom of it, trying to make the right decisions. Day in and day out. It's not just some debate where he goes, we all have to unite. This isn't just an American problem, but a world problem. You know, you got you to gotta make decisions. But you also can't destroy the system and make bad decisions for every schoolhouse, for every restaurant, for every bar in the country. That's why we have levels of government. And look, ladies and gentlemen... It could be that many, many, many more of us are going to die. It could be that many, many, many more of us are going to get sick. But it's not going to be a result of what happens in Congress and so forth. And the economy is going to take a hit. I don't care what the slush fund Schumer has in mind. When you start shuttering businesses, 
one state to the next, telling people not to get together, 50 or less, 10 or less, that has an impact on society. More Donald Trump. Cut to go. And yesterday you said that this was under tremendous control. Do you want to revisit that statement if we are going to be experiencing this until July or August, five more months ahead of yeah, right? When, I, when I'm talking about control, I'm saying we are doing a very good job within the confines of what we're dealing with. We're doing a very good job. There's been a, uh, there's been a tremendous uh, amount of the, the, the way they're working together. They're working hand in hand. I think they're doing really a great job. And from that standpoint... Uh, that's what I was referring but to. Yes, not, you're, you're, not, you're not saying it's under control, right? I'm not referring to it, meaning the... Obviously, yeah. it is not under control. Obviously, that's not what he was talking about. Obviously. The Chinese are never held to account for any of this stuff. And they have a huge propaganda machine going on. On Joy Reid's show, she's on MSNBC, she's a real reprobate. She has on a woman by the name of Jennifer Rubin. She's a real slimeball. She was a Democrat in Hollywood. She became a Republican. Now she writes, I still guess she does, I don't read, in one of the left-wing papers. Maybe it's the Post, maybe it's the Times, I don't remember. They still pretend she's a conservative. She is one nasty human being. Listen to this, cut five, go. Older Americans are more worried about coronavirus unless they're Republican, Jennifer. That that we now have a situation where Trump's own people are actually in greater danger, but those of us who live in this earth can't even reach them. Who thinks like this? What kind of perverse, demented mind works like this? Well, Joy Reid's and Jennifer Rubin's and all these Trump haters out there. Should have heard this idiot Mika Brzezinski. I got. Cl- I don't. I'm not playing clips all night. Just, just a few here and there, so you know what's going on. They don't take this virus seriously. They don't take the science seriously. They don't take what the presidents and the vice presidents trying to do seriously. It's just another opportunity. Go ahead anything that any of us say, including someone like you as a former Republican. You can't reach them. No. um, And there is a particular cruelty, irony, that it is their core viewers, the Republican older viewers, as Eric said, who are the most at risk. And when you think about it, which party immediately canceled all of their rallies? Which party immediately started um, having their political figures um, really portray and uh, use their lives? What in the hell is she talking about? And which party uh, paralyzed the Congress uh, uh, while the while the virus was entering the United States uh, and 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 froze the Senate so they couldn't have any hearings or or pass any any funding? Uh, sick. I'm telling you. The American media, they talk. We should unite. They say they do this all the time. We should unite, and yet they are one of the most divisive forces we have in this nation. I'll give you another example. Okay, I'll give you Mika Brzezinski on Morning Joe. She asks Yamichi Alcindor, who apparently works for the National Pubic Radio Service, NPR, about Trump's blatantly racist and sexist remarks. Listen to this. Although, to her credit, I don't think she, uh, she bites. Cut eight, go. 
You said that you don't take responsibility, but you did disband the White House pandemic office and the officials that were working in that office left this administration abruptly. So what responsibility do you take to that? And the officials that worked in that office said that you that the White House lost valuable time. Now let's because- stop right there. There's an op-ed, I believe it's today, by Tim Morrison, who was one of the top officials under Bolton in the National Security Council. And this pandemic office reported to him. You know what he said in that op-ed, Mr. Producer? That office is still there. I was in charge of it. When I left, he named another person who's in charge of it today. He said, this is, this is dishonest. And yet, look how it works its way to NPR and the media and so forth. And the American people think that Donald Trump specifically got rid of this pandemic office. Why would Trump do that, ladies and gentlemen? There'd be no reason for him to do it. And he didn't do it. It's still there. It's still under the National Security Council. According to Morrison in his op-ed in the New York, in the uh, Washington Post. Go ahead. This wasn't disbanded. What do you make of that? Well, I just think it's a nasty question because what we've done is, uh, and Tony has said numerous times that uh, we've saved thousands of lives because of the quick closing. Uh, and when you say me, I didn't do it. Uh, we have a group of people. I could, I could ask perhaps in my administration, but I could perhaps ask uh, Tony about that because uh, I don't know anything about it. You know, you just wonder what's wrong with them. A lot of people, Yamish, think he's just blatantly racist and sexist. When he says things like, that's a nasty question. You know, you have to be a complete nut job to be Mika Brzezinski. It's racist and sexist. First of all, Mika, if you had any facts, you would have corrected this report yourself. And it wouldn't have been racist or sexist. It would have been informative, you nitwit. That's number one. Number two, how is it racist or sexist? You think he just picked on this woman like he doesn't talk to Jim Acosta and others this way? In the middle of this virus, in the middle of all this, this is how you choose to conduct yourself? And this is what MSNBC chooses to air? And the NPR reporter, yo, the president apology, because your facts are wrong. According to a gentleman who wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post today saying, that office is still there. How hard is it for a reporter to find out if the office is there or not, ladies and gentlemen? They don't care. It's just another opportunity to play gotcha. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at AMAC.us. 
That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. With a few minutes left, I had so much to get to today, but I want to hit this. In the country of Israel, as I speak to you, the man who got the most votes for prime minister is now about to be ousted by a formal IDF general by the name of Benny Gantz. He's the Benedict Arnold of the state of Israel. He ran for office three times and he could never topple Netanyahu. You could never put together enough. So what did he do this time? He, with his Obama advisors, joined with the Arab parties, the Arab parties which reject the actual existence of the state of Israel, which include Islamists, Arab nationalists, and actual communists. This former IDF general joined with them and another by the name of Lieberman, who's been under investigation and his family's been under investigation, and he blames Netanyahu, and he said in an interview recently, this was all personal, withheld his votes. So here we have a guy by the name of Lieberman, three times now, these Arab parties, and this IDF Benedict Arnold by the name of Gantz, who joined together, joined together to, to get 61 votes, that's what you need, it's a 120-member parliament, the Knesset, to pass three laws if they can, they're going to work on it as I speak. All three are intended to prevent Benjamin Netanyahu from being prime minister. One would prevent the prime minister from serving for more than two terms. Well, obviously, Netanyahu is the longest-serving prime minister in the history of Israel. So it's more than two terms. Number two, if you're charged with crimes, not convicted, just charged, you cannot serve in the Knesset. Imagine the power they're handing over to prosecutors and the police over there. And then there's a third rule, all specifically aimed at Netanyahu. In our country, states and the federal Congress are not allowed to pass laws that have as their purpose the focus on one citizen. So Israel has moved hardcore tyrannical. You can't call it a free government anymore. Now, if they succeed in this, in this coup against Netanyahu, and Gantz becomes prime minister, he'll be prime minister for about 14 minutes. Why? Because the Arab parties and the other parties they've cobbled together detest each other. The Trump peace plan will go in the uh, dumpster. And so this government will last for a very short period of time. So what's really going on here is the goal is to throw out Netanyahu, force Likud to choose another leader. And this Gantz, when he ran for office, specifically told the voters he would not make an allegiance with these Arab parties. You might say, well, the Arabs have rights too. These parties are radical. These parties have as their purpose the destruction of the state of Israel as it exists today. So this is what's going on. History will treat Gantz and the others, the history books in Israel and ancient history books at some point, very poorly. But in the meantime, they want to prevent Netanyahu from forming a government by passing laws specifically intended to prevent him and only him from being prime minister. And then they want to throw him in prison. The Attorney General has thrown in 
thrown in with the other side. And he has a trial coming up. It's been delayed as a result of the virus sometime in May. They want to throw this prime minister in an Israeli prison. You talk about a coup. This is disgusting. Disgusting. Ladies and gentlemen, hang in there. Hang in there. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. All the people are working so hard to protect us from this virus and care for us. Thank you. And I'll see you tomorrow. Be well, take care, and God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>